Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime with Kaylin and Elena. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm here. So, because you, you bailed last week. I so, did. faking yep. to be sick. Yep, completely. Yes. <laughs> so, we're back. We're uh, back. Back to Connecticut. We're kind of back on the swing of things, maybe. Hopefully, we'll see how this goes. Um, but I do have a, I have a story to tell before we jump into my Connecticut case. Okay. And it is, I still can't wrap my head around the, the fact that this even happened. So this was your own brush with true crime. Yes. Right here in our fair city. Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, which most of you probably wouldn't, uh, unless you know me personally, <laughs> I work at a salon. And since about May 1st, right after we, right about the time that we opened until now, we have been getting these weird ass phone calls. We get a call the, and he's pro the guy has probably called like six or seven times now. Uh -huh. And every time he calls, he asks the same thing. He wants us to send him in the mail boxes of hair. Okay. Now that is creepy AF. So fucking creepy. So of course I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And so I tell him, and he's normally when I answer it, he starts the phone call out very nice. And then when I tell him like, no, first of all, that's unsanitary. Second of all, that's illegal for us to do because that's DNA. Right. And we have to have consent from whoever's hair it is to be able to give it to. Ooh, I never thought about that. Like if you were a hairstylist, you would have like the greatest way to like go out and be a murderer and then you could plant your client's hair at the scene. Right. I never even thought of that. That's yeah. like a great TV series, like <laughs> right. just waiting or series of novels to be written. <laughs> right. Okay. So basically I'm just like, no, that's unsanitary. That's creepy. That's gross. Like we won't do that. And then he gets like really angry and he'll start yelling and then get aggressive and then just like hang up. And it's the same time every time he calls and we don't have a phone number for him. We don't have anything really on him because every time he calls, our caller ID just says private caller. Uh-huh. And so for the first like four or five times that he called, we told him the same thing. I don't know why he's still calling when he, we tell him the same thing every time. Like, no, we won't send you hair, you creepy fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I had finally talked to our owner and well, I mean, she had known about it prior, but like we had talked to her again right? and we had come upon the decision that when he call, when, and if he calls back, we'll go along with it. We want to know who he is. We want a name. We need, we oh, want there you some go. information yeah, Give us your him. name and address and we'll send it to you. Right. And then turn that over to the cops. Right. So it had been a couple of weeks since he had called. We hadn't heard from him in a while. And I seemed to be the only one that ever talked to him. He only called when I was there. And so I, so he called on Thursday. It was the first time in a few weeks that he had called and I, I really bad anxiety guys. <laughs> and so I panicked because I knew what we were, we were going to end up agreeing with right. him and like try and play it along. I panicked. I gave the phone to <laughs> one of our nail techs and she talked to him and she was like, yeah, we've got like two boxes we can send you. Apparently two boxes wasn't enough because she tried to get his name and his address and he's like, oh, I'll wait till you've got more. I'm like, what? So she gets off the phone with him that day, and then he calls back Friday. So the following day, he calls back again. There's very few people there. It's me and I think one other stylist in for the rest of the day. 
And so I answer it and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Two boxes wasn't enough. So now we've got four. <laughs> and so I answer the phone and I'm like disgustingly nice to him. Like anything this man wanted, I agreed to. You want us to send you all the hair we have? Absolutely. You want us to put it in one giant box? Perfect. You want us to pay for shipping? Awesome. We got it. We'll do anything you want. And I finally got a name and an address. And I get off the phone with him. Mind you, on Thursday when he had called, we had called dispatch, talked to an officer just kind of, granted we didn't have any information on him, but our owner wanted it noted. Because had something crazy actually been happening, yeah. we all would have felt like assholes that we didn't do anything about right. it. Right. So even though the dispatcher made me feel like a, like an idiot, like, can't you just block its number? No, I can't do that because we don't have a number and I, never, I already told you that. Anyway, so the officer I talked to was super nice and she basically just told us like, anytime he calls, log whatever information you get from him, log what time he calls and every time he calls, just make sure you write it down. And when, when and if you do get any information from him about who he is, call us back and we'll see what we can do after that. So he calls again Friday. I get a name. I get an address. I get off the phone with him. I called my owner because she's out of town. Called her. Told her everything. And so then after her, I called dispatch. And the officer I talked to on Thursday wasn't in. She was out off until Monday. Uh -huh. So... I, they sent another officer down and I talked to him. He was super nice. I gave him all of the information that I had and he had told me, he was like, that's weird, but it's not unheard of because there was a dentist office here in town that somebody was calling asking for socks from a dentist's office. I don't know. Weird thing. That's all the information I got about that though. Okay. But he had told me, he's like, all right, we'll go ahead and I'll get in touch with his local PD see what's going on, see what I can figure out. Uh, so he goes out to his car and is sitting in our parking lot doing his research. And the guy calls again while the cops in the parking lot. You're like, yes. So one of our stylists answered the phone. She confirmed that it was the guy. I ran outside to get the cop and I was like, bro, he's on the phone now. So the cop ends up talking to him, basically telling him like what you're asking them to do is illegal and you need to stop calling. They get off the phone. The cop goes back outside, is continu continuing to do his research and get in contact with his local PD to see what's going on. He comes back in about 15, 20 minutes later and tells us, you're not the first. Apparently he does this often, calling salons, trying to find people to send him hair. And the cops have been to his address before and said that anytime they go there to talk to him about it, he just denies it. Uh -huh. But then the cop tells me he denies it, but he fits the bill. We know it's this guy, but right. at this point, like they're doing what they can. Uh, they said that normally when they go to his house to talk to him about it, he'll stop calling that salon and just like move on to the next. Uh -huh. Okay. And then he tells me the name he gave you is not the name he normally gives the salons, but that's not his real name. Uh -huh. And then gives me his real, his real name, which I wasn't sure if I was going to say, but then no, after I, I did not. some, oh no, I will because there is, I then, because me being who I am and what we do, I Google him. Right. I Google your name and the city that you live in. And the first thing, the first article that pops up is titled Illinois, granted he lives in Illinois, guys, by the way. Okay. Um, so it's titled Illinois Follicle Freak Locked Up. This article is from 2002. So 18 years ago, 
and it says, uh, this website's called The Smoking Gun. But oh, it I've says, heard of that website. Meet Melvin G. Hanks. He's got a thing for ponytails, especially the kind meant for sick kids. Hanks, who was 54 at the time, because this was in 2002, was arrested on February 14th, 2002, and charged with stealing 93 ponytails and enough loose hair to make about 60 more. How does one actually steal 93 ponytails? Well, according to Bellevue, Illinois cops, Hanks calls up local salons and falsely claims to be a represent of Locks of Love, which is a Florida-based charity that uses donated hair to create the highest quality hair prosthetics uh, for children who have lost their hair due due to a medical condition. Police found the ponytail stashed in his bedroom closet. It was also noted that he shared a crib. Now, I don't know if they're, t- like, talking, like, slang for house crib or, like, an actual, like, I'm, crib. I bet you they're saying crib, crib, like, bed crib. Right, with his 80-year-old father. Um, and one salon employee told the police that Hanks, who was at the time okay. in jail with a $10,000 bail, uh, checked in weekly to see if they had any hair. Wow. Okay, and when they say crib, okay, now I'm, like, back to thinking it's actually a house. But, right. Whoa. So this motherfucker has been doing this for at least 18 years. Because he was arrested in 2002 And he's old now. He's 73 now. Could you tell he was an old dude? Yes. That's all I knew at that point was he was old. But he, when he called, he would claim that he and his wife were making wigs for sick kids. But in my mind, I'm like, no, that's creepy because there are businesses. Yeah, that do this. That do that for them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was not expecting to have that pop up. That's a very interesting way to uh, start your your week. Right. Okay. So I kind of hope he called. I think he did call back yesterday. So I think he called yesterday because it came up private caller. And I've also decided that when, because when I answer the phone, I say my name. Right. And you know what? The next time that he calls... And you, as soon as you know it's him, you should just start reading that article right. and aloud so that's what, over the phone. <laughs> that's what I'm going to tell him. Well, so <laughs> the cop had told me, he was like, here's his name. Uh, if he does call back, which he probably won't because normally he'll move on, uh, try calling him by his real name and it might freak him out that you know who he mm. is. And I just start, start calling. Just start reading the article. Yeah, I was just going to tell him like, bro, I know you were arrested for this in 2002. Quit calling. No, just read the article. Seriously. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that would be perfect. Well, so I think he called yesterday because we had another call yesterday morning that came from a private caller. I answered it and then they hung up like immediately. So one of my stylists was like, he probably recognized your voice and was hoping somebody else would answer. Mm-hmm. So, so now you got to start answering the British accent. Hello. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible at those. All right. Yeah. That was my fun, my fun adventure recently. Yeah. Fucking nuts. People are so weird. (laughs) I want to know what he really does with the hair. It was, so when the cops found it, it was in sealed bags. So he just likes collecting it? Yeah, so Uh the ponytails that he had were in sealed brown paper bags. And then, like, the clump, because it said there was enough loose hair, that in the police report was, it was described as, like, clumps of hair in, like, sealed plastic bags. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Gross. It's so weird, though. Like, who does that? Old men in Illinois, apparently. Apparently. 
All right. Are we going to jump into this? Is there yes, anything we're you wanted to talk about? Nah, let's just jump into our case. I had a boring week. Did so, you? Yeah. Oh, mine was pretty eventful, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, I can't I can't compete with this, so. Fucking follicle free. Whoever <laughs> thought of that was smart. Yeah, follicle were, fetish. Right. All right. So, this week we are back to Connecticut. Okay. This is kind of a crazy case. I'm surprised I've never heard of this case. Because there's a lot happening here. And I was like, I was, I was just very shocked that I've never heard about this. And it's a fairly recent case for the most part. Okay. Uh, recent meaning like early 2000s. So I would call that recent. Yeah, of course. So. Although earlier when you said, you know, 2002 and that's 18 years ago, I have to admit that my head kind of exploded a little bit within my skull. Like, (laughs) like that was really 18 years ago. Right. No, I get it. I'm the same way. So. We're just going to start in July, on July 31st of 2003. Okay. We have a woman named Brenda Torres. She files a missing persons report with the Weathersfield Police Department in, in Connecticut for her sister, Nilsa. She, Nilsa's 33 years old, and Brenda told the police that Nilsa was involved with drugs, with prostitution, but she was very, very sure that she would never desert her children. She had four children and her sister Brenda was like, yeah, she did. She was in with the drugs and the prostitution, but she would never leave her kids. And Nilsa had a boyfriend. His name is Angel Sanchez. He was obviously immediately the first suspect. Of course. As most significant others are. They're normally the first ones looked at. And he wrote a letter to the police. Uh, Mind you that he was a convicted drug dealer. Keep that in mind. Okay. Um, But he wrote a letter to the police and he told them that the last time that he saw her was on July 25th. So six days before Brenda had had done the missing persons report. And he told police that she had gotten into a van with a man that he knew of as Devin. Okay. Um, Both Angel and Nilsa knew Devin from prior run-ins with him. Uh, they apparently had all smoked crack together and Angel did end up taking a polygraph test. He passed it. They eliminated him as a suspect. So, uh, Angel told the police that the couple had let Devin stay with them in their hotel room that same night that Nilsa had disappeared. Okay. So he let them stay in the hotel room and then about 2.30 in the morning, was the last time that he saw Nilsa getting into Devin's van with him. So investigators were actually quickly able to identify who Devin was. And his full name is William De- William Devin Howell. He had been arrested before and he had a history of arrests in Virginia, Georgia, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And according to the police records, he had a quote, uh, propensity for violence towards women. Oh, God. So, William was born on February 11th, 1970. He was about 33, 34 when Nilsa disappeared. And police tracked William down to North Carolina. They seized his van. They found, uh, they found that all of the seat cushions had been removed. But, as they searched the van more, they had found blood 
from two different people under his carpet in his van. Oh, God. So he dealt with taking all the seat cushions out, but didn't worry about the, right. the carpet on the floor of the van. Yeah. Although if it was under the carpet, he obviously had taken the carpet out to clean it, right? Or something. Or clean or... just like the top yeah, of the carpet. Okay. And I'm not, he didn't say specifically. So they compared both blood samples, both of the samples in the van to uh, Nilsa's sister. Okay. And they were able to compare the DNA from right. her sister. Okay. Um, and the stamp, one of the samples came back a match. Aww. So we knew it was Nilsa's blood. They had also found six videotapes of William having what the police referred to as bizarre sex with women, but the way that they were recorded were purposely so that the women's faces were never shown. Of course. Um, and then on September, or not September, sorry, <laughs> February, uh, February 19th, 2004, William Howell was extradited back to Connecticut from North Carolina on charges of violating his probation. Okay. Uh, and that probation was from a previous charge that we talked about his, his past. Um, and... Sometime before... Can I ask, do we know why he, like, moved around so much? Was it just that he... We really don't have a whole lot of his information. Okay. Because, I mean, that's a lot of different states to right. have criminal charges and then to have been on probation in one, and now you're in Connecticut. Right. Like, you know what I mean? This is a pretty... So, my, my confusion... So, you know how when we go to, like, Wikipedia and something, it normally gives us, like, early life. Yeah. We don't have anything like that from him. Wow. All we have on him when you look him up and do some researching is all about his crimes. But there's nothing like it. Mm -mm. We Which know is really he, strange given that, I mean, he was born in 1970. This isn't yes. so long ago. Yeah, so he okay. we know that he was born February 11th, 1970, and he was born in Hampton, Virginia. Okay. That's it. That's all, all we that, know. that we really know from any of his history. So, where was I at? Oh, February 19th, 2004, he was extradited uh, back to Connecticut for violating his probation. And sometime before May of 2004, he was released. They were still looking at him and investigating him for Nils' disappearance, but they didn't have anything concrete fully yet to get him on. So he was released. Uh, they still didn't have a body. They didn't know if she was alive or not. And all they knew was that she had last been seen with him and that her blood was in his vehicle. And they eventually arrested him in Connecticut, connected to Nils' disappearance. And he, because they didn't have a body or anything like that, they, instead of going with him for murder, they got him for first-degree manslaughter. So this is when he starts getting charged with this. Hang on, I gotta get to my other set of notes here. Okay. <laughs> I'm bouncing around. I started writing it down and then I got lazy and so then I have it all pulled up on my phone. But now I just have to get back to where I was at. <laughs> so, let's see, where am I? He had basically said that he had never killed, he didn't kill her. He, in 2000, January of 2007, which was right after the trial had begun, he was also started, they also ended up charging him with witness tampering after threatening an inmate. Okay. So now he's got first degree manslaughter they're going after him for and witness tampering. So in January of 2007, which was right after 
his trial had began. Uh, Howell entered a, we've talked about these before and we both hate them, an Alfred plea. Uh, I hate those so much. I hate Alfred pleas so fucking much. Because that's basically them telling you, like... I did it. Right. I mean, honestly, to me, I, I don't... Yeah. Because if if the prosecution has enough evidence to convict you, uh-huh. you probably fucking did it. So you entering an Alfred plea saying, yeah, I'm guilty, but I didn't actually do it, but I'm doing this because they have enough evidence that would put me behind bars. You fucking did it, man. Yeah, it's such a strange thing. Isn't it? Uh-huh. So he enters the Alfred plea for the first degree manslaughter, uh, saying that he admitted to committing the crime, blah, 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 blah. After his sentencing, he continued to say he never killed Nilsa. I was not involved with it. He said that the blood stains were from a physical altercation that Nilsa and her boyfriend had in his van. Of course, yeah. And that he, like, kicked her boyfriend out of the van afterward. So I was the good guy. I was protecting her. Yes. Which is even more egregious, but okay. So he also tried to get his Alfred plea thrown out at one point, claiming that he had only entered the plea because his public defender pressured him into it, which didn't work. And he gets sentenced to 15 years in prison. Now, if that was the whole case, it'd be a pretty boring case. Right. right? So I knew there was going to be more. This is far too anticlimactic at this point. Right. Keep going. So we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. And we are going to... What, where are we at? Um, it was a few weeks after he was sentenced. Uh-huh. And there was a hunter in uh, that had found... The he was behind the West Farms shopping mall in New Britain and he had found human remains. Then on April 28th, 2015, there were more remains that were found in the same area, and some of those remains were Nilsa. Oh no. Um we are I'm I'm also leaving things out of here on purpose. Of course. Just so you know. Um so William had later told his cellmate that there was a monster inside of him and described described himself as a sick rip. He, it, that kind of, him, I hate when people name themselves. I'm sorry, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. it drives me nuts. I think it's stupid. I think it's narcissist. <laughs> it's narcissistic for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm going to kill all of these people. I'm going to be a serial killer and then I'm going to name myself. Right. So that's what he did. So the media ran with that from him and they started calling him the sick ripper. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. He so he also told his inmate that he kept a woman's body inside of his van for 2 weeks. Gross. Because it was too cold outside to bury her and he couldn't he couldn't uh shovel. Was that Nilsa? So he said he slept next to her and he called Ew. her his baby. And he told all of this to his cellmate. Uh, yes. He then said he then told his cellmate that he cut off the tips of her fingers, dismantled her bottom jaw, and disposed of the body parts in Virginia. So we then later find out that there were seven total victims. Oh my god. 
Uh, one of them was transgender, and all of their bodies were found behind the shopping plaza in New Britain. And starting in about the beginning of 2007 was when they were starting to like find these Can bodies. I ask, were all of them sex workers that he targeted? We'll get there. I'm going to go through each of the victims okay. individually. So behind the behind the shopping center where the bodies were found, it's described as being a like wooded marshy area where cars didn't have access to it, but it was like since it was like woody and stuff, it was good for hunting. So that's why the hunters were back there and they okay. had, they were the ones that had found the bodies. So our first victim that we're going to talk about, her name is Melanie Ruth Chameleon. Chameleon. Mm. Camillini? Camillini. Mm -hmm. Something. Yeah, that we're going to say that. So her name, she was 29 years old. She was a mother of two. She lived in Seymour, Connecticut. And she went missing on January 1st, 2003. She had recently been living in Waterbury and was last seen in that area with two men. Melanie was known to have a substance abuse problem and would regularly disappear for long periods of time. And her body was found and identified behind the shopping center in 2015. So she had been missing for about 12 years before they found her. Man. Our next victim is Janice Roberts. He, she was born as Danny Lee Wist, Wisnant. Um, and she was a 44 year old transgendered woman from New Britain who was last seen on June 18th, 2003, when she, she was last seen getting into, uh, Williams blue van mm -hmm. at a, a stop and shop in Weathersfield. And she was reported missing on June 24th. So not long, about five days after six days after she had, she had gone missing was when she was reported missing. And Howell would later tell an informant that he tried to engage with Janice in a in sexual acts and then realized that she was transgender, freaked out, strangled her. Our next victim is Diane Cusack. She was a 55-year-old New Britain resident. She disappeared sometime in the middle of 2003. And police had last had contact with her on July 9th, 2003, during a landlord-tenant dispute. So her and her landlord were having some sort of issues. The cops were called, and that was on July 9th. And that was the last time that she was confirmed to have been seen. And her remains were also found behind the shopping plaza in 2007. And she was identified in 2011. Uh, Diane had substance abuse issues, but and had been out of contact with her family for years. So she had never been officially reported missing. Sad. And then we've got Nilsa, which we've talked about her for the mm -hmm. most part. Her body was found on October 28th, 2015, alongside three of the other bodies. Uh, but we've we talked about all of her, her going missing. Our next one is Marilyn Gonzalez. She was a 26-year-old woman. So this is another thing. There ages mm -hmm. are kind of all over the board. Well, I feel like he he he's probably is very much just about the opportunity. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've got like a 55-year-old, a 33-year-old, right. a 44-year-old, early 20s, like it's just kind of to me all over the board. It, to me it feels like he's one of those killers that it's just about 
when the urge strikes and then just the nearest, easiest victim of opportunity. Right. So Marilyn Gonzalez was a 26-year-old woman and she had two children. She went missing in 2003 after she had left her home in Waterbury. Her body was found behind a different shopping mall in Farmington, Connecticut on April 28th, 2015. Our next, our second to last, we have one more after her, who is Joveline, Jovelin, also went by Joy Martinez. She was 23 and she went missing on October 10th, 2003, but she was not reported missing until March 29th of 2004. Oh, wow. Um... Suspicion arose basically when she didn't show up for her birthday party. So it's kind of weird that like... Why would you take so long to report her missing? Right. And see, that's super strange to me because Mm -hmm. that's a lot of time. And it's like, oh, she didn't show up for her birthday. Now we call the cops. You don't call the cops months before when you haven't seen her for... Again, unless she's one of those that has this history or... Right. So she was last seen in her uh, hometown of East Hartford. And she lived there with her mother, which is another weird thing that her mother went months without reporting her missing if they lived together. But... That's weird. While she was in high school, she was a track star... And at the time of her disappearance, she was unemployed and her remains were some of the first to be found behind the plaza in 2007, but she wasn't identified until 2013. Oh, wow. And our last victim is Mary Jane Menard. She was a 40 year old woman who had, she was a substance abuse counselor from Waterbury and she had gone missing in New Britain in October of 2003 and her Remains were also found behind the shopping plaza in 2007. Now, then it gets weirder. So they find all these bodies. They are able to connect them back to William Howell. And he does some weird shit. So after they've all been identified and they've gone through their investigation, now we're on November 17th, 2017. Okay. So they were all, they all disappeared in 2003. They were all found in everything between 2003 and 2015. They were all, they were all identified by 2015. So are we supposed to believe he hadn't killed, he didn't kill anybody for all those years in between? Well, a lot of those years he was locked up. Okay. So... On November 17th, 2017, he was then sentenced to six consecutive life sentences after pleading guilty to all of the uh, murders for all seven women. Okay. He cried and apologized to the families of the victims during his sentencing. He called his actions monstrous and cowardly and selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told the court that he deserved the death penalty. But the death penalty had been abolished by the Connecticut Supreme Court in 2015. So, of course, you're going to tell this, the court that, like, right. oh, I'm so sorry. Give me the death penalty, even though I know you can't give me the death penalty. It's going to make him look better. Right. It's going to make him look like he's got the empathy that mm-hmm. he obviously lacks. Does not. Right. And even though I p- used the Alfred plea way back when, when I knew I'd killed all these women. Right. Ugh. So, then we get to... So, this is where it gets kind of fucking crazy. 
I have, oh, do I not have it up? I might have to pause this for a second and go find my, the other page that I apparently left out. So while he was in jail, prison, I shall say, he ends up meeting with a journalist. And this journalist, her name is uh, Anne K. Howard. She is a true crime author. And she, Howard, I hope I said Howard and not Howell, because his last name is Howell, her last name is Howard. Okay. Um, she was a true, she's a true crime author, and she was also practicing, uh, she was practicing attorney when she had first contacted William Howell in 2015. Okay. Uh, that was when he was serving a 15-year sentence for Nilsa, but hadn't none of the other victims had been added in. Right, that. we didn't know he was a just full-on serial killer yet. Right, he it was right before he was going to be charged with the remaining six uh, six murders, and he after he pled guilty in 2000 or yeah 2017, he decided he wanted to give her the exclusive, detailed confessions. In letters and recorded recorded phone calls. Oh my gosh. And she wrote a book about it with all of this information in it. And this book is called His Garden, Conversations with a Serial Killer. Now, in this book, it is insane the amount of details that he gave about his crimes. So when he's in court... Saying that like, oh, this is monstrous. I could, I can't believe I did this. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Yet he is telling this lady, this author, everything that he did. Right. Like you, if you still get off on every single detail that happened 15 years prior to all of these women, you're not sorry for what you did. Right. Like, not even in the slightest are well, you sorry for what you did. And he also called the place where he buried all these bodies his garden. Yes. Which, which hence the name of the, yeah. the book, The Garden, or but, His Garden. Mm-hmm. I have to find, I had found a, a website or an article that, I can't find now. And and, and the fact, too, that he, you know, he talked to his cellmate in such detail. Of, so he obviously is one of those who does enjoy yes. revisiting his crimes. Yes. But it's like, you say that you don't? You say that you're sorry? Like, this makes no sense. Yeah. So... All right, we're gonna ta- we're gonna take a quick break, real quick, and pause this so I can find my website because now okay. I'm a slacker. <laughs> okay, so I was an idiot, and it was right in front of my face. I just didn't, I just couldn't find it. Anyway, so I want to go over a few of the question and answers that the author had had with William Howell, and kind of go over some of these, just so like you guys understand that when I say he was not sorry, you can clearly tell in these questions and answers. That he was not sorry. So, um, let's see. So one of the first questions was, why did you kill them? And he says, quote, it isn't about killing Anne. It was about raping. The prosecutors don't know this, but I didn't just rape three of them. They based that on what Jonathan Mills, who was the former cellmate oh, of, okay. of William, 
that's what he that's what his cellmate had told them so that's what they went off he said they based that off of what jonathan mills had told them how would they know that i raped just three the bodies were nothing but bones when they when they dug them up i raped them all except for danny winston and he dead named him too like that's just hmm. so the ne- one of the other questions was was that because he was a man mm-hmm. and he william responded with quote yeah i picked him up in in new britain after leaving the cadillac ranch in southern southington he was wearing a short mini skirt and high heels and had long shiny black hair i thought he was a woman I drove to a nearby grocery store parking lot for a $20 blowjob when I put my hand on his head and pulled off the wig he was wearing. That's when I discovered he was a guy and I killed him right off. She asked, how did you kill him? He said, I punched him a couple of times and then I strangled him. And she asked, did you strangle Melanie Camillini? I can't pronounce her Mm -hmm. poor last name. I can't do it. Uh, so basically, did you strangle Melanie too? He said, yeah, I first tried to kill Melanie by hitting her in the head with a hammer. She didn't see it coming. That's another thing Mills got wrong when he talked to the cops. He said, I tried to strangle Melanie, but she wouldn't die. So I beat her in the head with a hammer. That's backwards. I hit her in the head. I hit her with the hammer first pretty hard and it didn't even knock her out. She said, please don't kill me. Don't hit me with a hammer again. I didn't have the heart to hit her again, if that makes sense. So I strangled her. That's so awful. And this motherfucker is trying to say that he has empathy and he is sorry for what he did. Well, okay, here's the thing I think with so many of these serial killers. So obviously, first of all, if they're not outright sociopaths, psychopaths, they definitely have a lot of those tendencies. They Mm -hmm. may not meet the full criteria, whatever. And so... To get through life, I think you learn to be a performance artist. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So their apologies and their expressions of remorse are performative. It's, I know this is what I'm supposed to say. They've learned that somewhere along the line. Right. But there's no true emotion or feeling right. behind it. Right. And that's why I think when you read these things and you see this huge chasm between what we would read as remorse and truly being sorry for these things and what is actually a form of reveling in what you've done. Right. Well, not to mention with him saying all of that stuff to the families, he was in court. So his lawyers probably wrote that up for him and made him read it off a sheet of paper. So yeah. One of the other questions says, how did you feel when you were killing them? Did it give you pleasure, like a sense of power? He says, no. No, Annie. It was never about the killing. I just killed them to conceal the evidence. I knew that once I raped them, they would go to the cops and I'd end up back in jail. So I had to keep that from happening. I definitely didn't enjoy killing them as I choked them out. I was thinking, just hurry up and die. What do you think about that? That just gave me, like, ew. You know what I I get? Again... He this he he's such a manipulator. First of all, he keeps using her name. Mm-hmm. When you repeat somebody's name like that every time you respond to them, that is it's a power play. It's a way of forming a connection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's he's obviously a master manipulator, and he is using all of this again to verbally relive and enjoy his crimes. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
she then asked, but you didn't rape Danny. So why were you trying to conceal the evidence then? Did you kill him because you were angry that you discovered he was a man? See, and I don't like that she keeps dead naming him. And I don't like that she keeps calling, you know, that she keeps using him. Right. Like this is a woman and, and like there's some transphobia here that, and maybe she's doing that. I don't know to make the connection with him, with the killer, mm -hmm. the murder so that the killer will still talk, keep talking about it. But I really don't like this aspect so of her line of questioning. I agree with that, but I do think I know why it's happening. Okay. I think it's because Danny Winston is still his legal name. And so I think she's going by the legality of it versus, you know what I mean? But I no, I get I, I why it's not right. I, I but have, I also, I'm having it. massive issues with that. So, um, he, and his response to that was yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why he killed her was because. He was transgender. She, ah! she was murdered for being transgender and yes. for no other reason. Yes. For the fact that this angered me that I thought that I thought you were going to be a cis woman and you're not a cis woman. Therefore, you deserve to die. And that's a whole other avenue here of the fact that the number of transgender women in this country that are murdered every year is unbelievable and the fact that they don't get very much attention they don't get reported they very often are parts of marginalized communities for the very fact that they're transgendered women and you know that leads to a whole lot of issues and problems mm -hmm. in that happen right. and like I said that, that part of this is just really all of these deaths are horrific tragedies excuse me but to me, that makes that one a hate crime, too. Right. I mean, you're murdering all... I mean, and, and I know people like to, you know, split hairs with, well, don't you hate anybody that you murder? You know, and those sorts of things. But the, the definition of a hate crime is that you are murdered for who you are, right? right? For your identity. Right. And that this is definitely a hate crime. Yeah. So she then asked, when you sliced off Melanie's fingertips... Ugh. Was that so the cops couldn't identify the body? And he said, yep. And Mills, who again, side note, was the cellmate uh -huh. who had talked to the cops. Um, Mil he said, quote, yep. And Mills said some shit about me dismantling her jaw. That's not true. I just pulled a couple of her teeth after she was dead. And he was asked, so the police couldn't identify her that way either? And he said, yeah. And then I gave up and stopped. And I realized if they found her, she would probably be, she would probably have been moot anyway. She was the only one I did that to. Like, there's just a callousness. And like I said, he, he has got to be a full-on sociopath yeah. or psychopath. I, I know there there's shades of difference between the two, but um, he, he this is gross. Yeah. He was then asked what she did with, what he did with the teeth and the fingertips. And he says... I put them in a plastic grocery bag and threw them in the trash outside the dollar, family dollar store on New Britain Avenue. So it's just like these, he doesn't even see them as people. I mean, that is such a telling detail. These truly are things. There's a total lack of humanity here. Right. And she had also asked him, she said that Mills, the former uh, inmate, the his, yeah, 
uh, said you slept behind Melanie's body in the back of your van and called her your baby. He adamantly shook his head and said, I slept beside her because I had no choice, but I never called her my baby. I told Mills that I slept beside the body. It's just like, <sighs> ugh. There's just a lot of shit. The fa and the fact, I really want to buy this book and like read the whole thing, kind of. Like part of me really mm -hmm. wants to, but then part of me is like, do I really want to do that? <laughs> right. Will I ever sleep again? Right. And, <coughs> excuse me, I just sit there and I think, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard for us to understand that this is a human being. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's very hard not to just turn around and completely wipe out his humanity as he does to other people. Right. And I think it's even harder to do that because we don't know any of his past information. Right. We don't know any of his history or any of his growing up. We don't know any of his is childhood there, you, or anything Is there like anything that. of that in the book, do we know? I'm unsure about okay. that. Just because I haven't I read would the whole be very book. I've only in, like, seen the inserts that I've found. I'd be very interested, you know, to see if, if, about if yeah, if there's anything in there. Right. Because there, ha there at least have to be records. There has to be. You know, school records. Because we know where he was born. We know yeah. he was born in Virginia, in Hampton, Virginia, in, in 1970. Yeah. That's all we know. So, one other thing that I wanted to read was a victim's impact statement. This was from Tiffany Menard, who was the daughter, daughter of Mary Jane, which was one of his victims. And she said, quote, Words cannot express all of the pain and anguish so many of us had to endure since their murders. With every ounce of blood that run through my veins, I want to hate you. But all I can do is pray to God, pray that God can forgive you for all that you've done. I pray that he will give us the peace to continue our lives. So. God. Yeah. That's just so awful. Do you want to see what he looks like? I or did. did I, I looked. At, yeah, I've already Googled him. I'm sitting here and looking at some of this too. And and I, it also makes you because so he did all of these murders within what, like a six month spread? Right. These were not his first murders. There, no, are, uh, there are other rapes and there are other murders out there mm -hmm. for sure. And I'm wondering if they may have been his first ones just because we know that he was arrested for crimes against women. Now, I'm wondering he was, if he has mm -mm. raped before and he knew that because of that, since he's been arrested for th things like that, that's why he decided to start killing them. That's a lot of people to kill. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, just again, and I know trends or, you know, what, whatever, like <coughs> I can't think of the proper word right now, but when we talk about some of the characteristics of a serial killer, Obviously, not every serial killer meets all of those criteria. It does seem strange to me that he is killing this often, right? In such a short period of time, that is that that doesn't seem very usual. Like I, I really believe, and given his drifter status with all of the states that he'd been through, right? There are other victims we don't know about, and especially the fact that he preys on sex workers, marginalized people already, that it's very easy for them to fall through the cracks and disappear. There are other bodies and people connected to him. I just... We just haven't gotten them yet. They yeah. Found I, yet. I, 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 yeah. Them yet. And especially given he was, what, 33? 
Yeah, between 33 and 34. When he's, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't start at that right. age. So, I just found... This is creepy. I didn't realize this was a thing. Why have we never talked about this? Uh-oh. I just found a website called truecrimeauctionhouse.com. They sell things from murderers. See, I am not. I am so opposed to that. This is fucking yeah. creepy. So they want $60 for a letter. Who was it written? We don't have who it was written to. It was just, it was a letter that he wrote. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I don't. I hope on the side of it, it says, I hope you are the new friend I've been hoping to find. See, I don't, I don't like this kind of stuff to, that is just getting into God. Well, and there's already, I mean, we've already, I think we did talk a little bit about some of this stuff. Like we talked about with John Wayne Gacy that people collected his paintings. Charles Manson, you know, would release songs and art. Right. Uh, to me, no. Like this is one, this is one area of life where I'm 100% behind cancel culture. Like there should not be any sort of, I don't know, collections or anything like that to support these kinds of people. And I know that the money technically can't go to them. Right. But just, just the idea of profiting off of anything that is associated with this level of suffering and trauma and pain is very, very disturbing to me. That's so weird. So. I don't like that. No. I don't either. I'm trying to, like, read the... Because it's got a picture of it, but part of the letter's covered. So I'm trying to, like, get some sort of... I don't know. Because all I see, it says, Well, I'm going to bring this to a close for now. Please forgive my terrible handwriting. And poor spelling. Also, please forgive any delay it took you to hear back from me. I am no longer at the Gardner CC. And your letters... Your letters isn't dated. And the date postmarked is removed from the envelope. They tear off stamps before we get the mail. So I don't know when you wrote it. But I received it today and was eager to get a letter back out to you. And hope to hear from you very soon. And then, like I said, on the side, written in different handwriting. It's written in cursive versus the rest of the rest of the letter, from what I can see, is all written in print. While the let the thing on the side side is written in cursive that says, "I hope you are the new friend I've been hoping to find." Gross. I don't like that. So yeah, yeah. I don't like that people are selling that shit. No, I, like that's so. weird. That's like trying to get hair from salons. It's creepy. Don't do it. Very, very much so. Ugh. So, well, you've had quite a week. Yeah, you had a very disturbing, disturbing case. That's one I had <clears throat> not. I'm heard very of. surprised that. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it, just because it seems like that was one that would have been in right. the news. Right, and with him being. Because it's recent. Right. 2017 mm -hmm. was when he was convicted of the rest of the, or the following six victims. You would think we would have heard about that yeah. in the last three years. But yikes. So so we know he's not getting out because he's got like quite a few years. Well, he's got six. six he's never getting yeah. out. Well, and then on another, I can't find, maybe I shouldn't bring it up because I can't find the rest of the article that actually talks about it. 
But you know how, like, when you Google something, it gives you the title and then part of the yes. article? I can't find this part of the article. Oh, okay. Uh, but it says Hal had earned 440, 449 days off his sentence for good behavior. Wouldn't which it still isn't going to do anything no, with no, his seven, six consecutive life yeah, sentences. Yeah, so there's no way he's getting out, and he should not ever get out. Mm-mm. So, I mean, like I said, with serial killers, that's just a no-go. Then, you know, you're you're not going to be redeemable. Right. There was, uh, during this case, there was a $150,000 reward before they had figured out who it was connected to, which is the largest in state history. So there's a fun fact from that. And he's also, I saw when I Googled him real quick while you were telling, the worst serial killer in Connecticut history, too, by the way. So, all right, guys. Well, it's been a crazy week out there in the universe, for sure, if you read the news and keep up on all of that stuff. And that's probably more than a lot of us can (laughs) keep up with right now. But we appreciate you listening. Um, please do make sure that you rate us wherever yep. you can. Write interview us. Write a review. Um, we appreciate f- you following us on Facebook and on our Facebook discussion group. Join our discussion group. It's a fun place. Yes. Make sure that you send us any story ideas that you have. We cases. love suggestions because we're both procrastinators. That's right. And we have just a few states to finish up and we will be done with our first tour through the U.S. And, and then, then we'll, we'll be reshuffling them. And start over. I don't know where we're going next. We need to find our list of what's next. Yes. Because it's been so long since we've had to look at it that I don't know what's next. I don't either. So, but do start sending us wherever your case uh, stories might be so we can get them filed. And as we hit the states, either our second time through or the states we still have yet to hit. And we'll take a look at those. And... We thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay sane. Black Lives Matter. Love each other. Hang in there. Bye.